Welcome to episode 136 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. And today we have a guest. Yay. I'm very excited about having our guest on. And um, I'm going to allow our guest to introduce themselves. Hello, uh, my name is Guy Pigton. I am a writer director uh, from New Zealand. Nice. Awesome. So our accents are stupid. I know. Seriously. <laughs> really, really, really. You know what it is? It's like, I think to the rest of the world, we sound like Southerners, you know? Yes. Like, it's like, you can't say anything smart. If it comes out of an American accent, it's just like. It's just boring. I don't know. You know. We're always beating ourselves up about our accent as well, actually. Really? There's a whole thing about it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. I love accents. I I love accents. Yeah. yeah. I just, the only person I can't deal with is uh, like Steve Irwin. Oh, yes. And I've been told, then, like, by Aussies, they're like, no, 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 that's like an exception. We don't sound like that. <laughs> he, he, was, he was playing yeah, it up a he bit. Was, he was especially Australian about yeah, things. Yeah. Yes. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to not talk about Australia, though? No? You not? can. You okay. just don't, you don't call an Aussie a Kiwi. That's, I didn't call <laughs> that's him an true. Aussie. That's right. That's I know, the only I know the rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you could talk about Aussies, just don't call an Aussie a Kiwi and vice versa. Yeah. That's all. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, um, one of my favorite, like all time favorite shows is Wentworth and, uh, uh, it just like when it, when we first got hooked to it, um, and somebody was telling me about it, I just wasn't, you know, just being like clueless American. I was just like, Oh, I don't know if I could listen to like that accent for a whole show. And they're like, no, 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 it's not, it's not like Steve Irwin. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it's like, honestly, one of the, I'm obsessed with that show. It's one of my favorite shows ever. (laughs) And I tell everyone, are you watching Wentworth? You should watch Wentworth. And they're like, no, what is that? And I'm like, no, not the like American thing that we try to do. I was like, this was actually a a show from, I think it was the seventies, wasn't it? The original new black is. Our the original uh, Wentworth, I think was the seventies. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not a Wentworth uh i'm not oh i'm a little bit i am familiar with wentworth but i have not i'm not a fan so now you make me think that all right well it's been fun having you on and we'll uh (laughs) (laughs) it's so good um it's so good so uh okay so so tell us well i wanted to uh, you know i want to talk about the film obviously but i kind of want to get a little background on you and kind of see how you kind of fell into all this filmmaking stuff or or you know all that all that your journey as it were (laughs) Okay, well, um, so I have actually been making movies for a long time now. Um, I started making films when I was uh, around 16. Um, This was before the sort of uh, digital age, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I'm still very young in director's years. I'm 37, which is like 27 in director's years. (laughs) You feel like you're 107 um, after you've been sort of making movies for a while. But um, I uh, started making films on like, high eight millimeter um camcorders and i'd cut them together with two vcrs and stuff like that and um and sort of so that's where i sort of started and then i um actually spent some time over in london and i worked as a runner um for a sort of a independent uh, production company over there that were um doing sort of these uh sort of smaller films i guess but still you know very interesting stuff and um at that point I became, I started also reviewing scripts um, because my sort of, my first sort of, I am not an innately talented director, uh, director, but I am probably an innately talented writer. So my writing sort of came first 
and I sort of wrote my way into directing. I always wanted to do both, mm-hmm. um, but uh, my writing sort of like I, I, I sort of started getting work professionally as a writer before I uh, started working as a director as well. But I was always making my own stuff um, independently of that. Um, and so at this production company, I started reviewing scripts and um, uh, and then from that, I also kind of started thinking, because these were sort of uh, not the best scripts. There was some like sort of, you know, gems within all those scripts that I read and I wrote coverage for. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's when you um, write about, you basically give a synopsis of the script. You talk about what's good, what's bad and why. You know, and it is basically like doing a sort of a, a mini review of of these things, and should they be um, considered for further development? And I think, you know, of all the scripts that I read, I maybe recommended three. So, mm-hmm. you know, wow. but what you saw when you read all those scripts was like, oh, what I saw, I was like, hey, if this is the standard, because these are all from, for the most part, um, professional screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through coming through agents and stuff like that, I was like, I think I can write to the standard and so it gave me more confidence to kind of develop my own stuff right. and work on my own stuff and um so I did and I sort of got sort of quite involved and you know wrote a bunch of my own screenplays and then I came back to New Zealand um after sort of a two-year stint over there and started really making movies with um some of my friends which I still make movies with today my production partner um Harley Neville who produced uh, this film uh, older um and we started working together on our own stuff but we also started uh we you know sometime later obviously this is over a period of you know sort of i guess a, like a sort of a 10 year span we uh got um funding to make our first feature film which was called uh i survived a zombie holocaust which is uh, a zombie horror comedy uh b movie sort of um very much in the um the vein of uh, Peter Jackson's brain dead. Peter Jackson was a huge inspiration for me. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the kind of the godfather of uh, dead alive, you know? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. It's called dead. <laughs> yeah. Alive, that was going to say, yeah, it's a different. Um, yes. My bad. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so he was a big inspiration because he started off making his first film, bad taste very much in that sort of DIY style. So yep. evil dead. We always, sort of thing. Yeah, and we always like embrace that. Um, and then we through, here in New Zealand, there's something called the New Zealand Film Commission, which basically is a government body that gives out grants to make uh, uh, films. And obviously, you have to go through a very sort of rigorous um, uh, sort of application pro- process where you develop and you develop and you develop and you get to the point where they then give you money to make the film so it's quite it is very different to a lot of places that yes there's many that do that but you know in america obviously it's much more of a business and it's uh sort of you know it's developed by the studios there's no studios over in new zealand and so anyway they they gave us what was called at the time the escalator grant which was two hundred and fifty thousand new zealand dollars um to make this feature film and and that was this first the zombie film which came out in um, at the end of 2014, 2015, and um, uh, did pr- pretty well in terms of, uh, well, did pretty well for our sales agent. It didn't do, uh, uh, or I, um, it didn't do so great for us, but like, in terms <laughs> of like its its visibility and stuff like that, we, we went to some great festivals. We went to Screen Fest and Fright Fest and Sitges and, and you know, a bunch of, you know, some of the best 
um, horror festivals uh, at the time. And um, we got a sort of, uh, we sort of sold it in all the main territories. So like in America, it was available on Showtime and is still now available in a bunch of different uh, iterations on streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely obviously skipping out a bunch of things, but this is just the cliff notes. And then yeah. from there, as I was sort of getting towards the end of that coming out, I was sort of very, I was sick of zombies. I was sick of, <laughs> like, I, and, and I love, like, I love genre films. I love horror films. Like that's, you know, sort of something that I've always been like deeply passionate about, but I had by that point, cause I've been working on this film so long and it was so hard to make that film for so little money. Um, I just wanted to do something that was completely the opposite of that. And I wanted to do something that for me was creatively challenging in a way that, uh, none of our other projects had been. And that's when I sort of started thinking about doing older, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, was in 2013 when I, uh, we originally wrote the script and, and, and filmed the first part of it. Um, and then for the last <laughs> seven <laughs> years, uh, I've been sort of working on finishing it. Um, you know, that's mainly been post-production, but there's been reshoots and pickups and, and this film was, basically the opposite of the zombie film it's like a yeah. uh, a romantic drama and uh, trying to avoid like the like you know we would always rely on humor and obviously there's funny bits and older but it's it's not i wouldn't necessarily call it a comedy mm-hmm. um and all, all those sorts of things uh it was just to try and do the opposite of everything i'd normally done and try and do all the things that i was kind of scared of doing or addressing in a film um, and so that was really my motivation was just cause I needed a, a sort of a creative reset, I suppose, um, from zombies and exploding heads and, um, all those things. And I, I'm very proud of that film as well. Um, but you know, at that time it had just sort of really worn me, worn me out as, you know, making feature films with not many resources can do. Um, and so I was sort of, uh, inspired to do, and I also wanted to, because the first film, like I thought I'd do something more like, I kind of thought, like I look up to filmmakers like, uh, Kevin Smith and, uh, Richard Linklater and, Mm -hmm. um, people like that who do these kind of walkie talkie films. And I thought that my first film would be that. And then this, the opportunity to make the zombie film kind of, uh, just presented itself. And it's like, of course, we'll grab onto that and do it to the very best of our ability. But, I imagine doing much more low key stuff um, mm. like older. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, I guess, recapture what I thought, you know, what made me fall in love with the idea of filmmaking um, at 16, because the, the zombie film had been a very uh, tiring and trying process that had sort of, uh, you know, there was, you know, we could obviously do a whole separate podcast about that <laughs> because uh, there's so many war stories and all, you know, if you've made a film, you always have these war mm-hmm. stories, but um, um, you know, so many things went wrong on that. And it was such a battle um, that I was like, man, do I even like filmmaking anymore? Do, you know, <laughs> yeah. can, is, is it possible to make movies and like, be in love with the process? Because that certainly wasn't my experience on the zombie film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was trying me to sort of rediscover that and also take a, a very sort of more, uh, you know, DIY, even more micro budget approach to the making of a film, because that's kind of always what I imagined 
how my my first film would be my only goal was to like i was like the zombie film has taken me five years um so this one just as long as i can do it within a year i'll be happy yeah and um cut to um yeah, seven yeah. years later <laughs> uh, so you know that's but that's filmmaking <laughs> yeah now was so, that the film that was playing when they were watching the horror movie no it wasn't actually i mean there's a sort of a funny story behind that because i originally thought that i would just play that film mm-hmm. but then i thought well if i play that film that's like me acknowledging in the film that i was not proud of that film and that i think that film is that kind oh, of cheesy okay. shocky right. film that 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 my character has made and i didn't want that just like i didn't want to sort of i didn't want the the whole team and crew and people that work so hard on that film to to think that I yeah, thought that because yeah. it's not what I thought. Um, like, so God, we actually, he's a real jerk, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so I actually shot um, a whole, uh, like it was originally just going to be a little scene, but mm. we actually shot a whole short film, um, oh, which we released. Uh, <laughs> Might as well, right? Very, yeah, which, which actually sort of did very well uh, at festivals and stuff and um, like, you know, won a couple of awards and stuff like that. Um, and that's a very small scene from that that short, which is called No Caller ID. Um, but at the time, it was it was like, look, uh, if we have to set up all this stuff and get this guy in a mask and do all this stuff, we may as well just shoot a short. Just do, yeah. yeah. Um, which is often sometimes it can be it's easier once you've like if you've gone to the effort of creating that world and that environment. It's sometimes it is easier to kind of shoot more mm-hmm. uh than just go okay well it's just that tiny little scene it's like you made all the same effort you would if it was going to be a short yeah, film right. anyway um and so we just thought yeah we'll turn it into a, a short um and that film no caller id sort of went on to have a life of its own before this film came out uh which is uh yeah kind of interesting uh, um but but so that's what that was okay i was just wondering because i was like i feel yeah. like this is something that he definitely had something to do with and that's why they put it in so <laughs> yeah. i was like oh, I, yeah, that, yeah. I find it yeah. so um i don't know fascinating i guess or or i mean fascinating is not the right word but it, the fact that other countries you know like new zealand or australia mm. or uk or even canada they have that approach towards filmmaking of of, of it not being such a business you mm-hmm. know and Getting, you know, they, they, I've, we've talked to a lot of filmmakers that have have gotten, you know, funds from their government to make their films, and um, you know, over here it's like, you're, people treat you as if you're just blessed enough to be on the in the in the movie, you know, in any capacity. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice to know that there's still like entities out there that kind of view it as the art form that it is, you know, and and kind of you know look no no place is perfect but um the fact that that they see that and recognize that and then uh, allow their you know allow people to to get those things is like um i don't know it's really cool to kind of hear yeah. those stories i think we are very fortunate in that respect um but i do think it's also a double-edged sword because then what happens is people kind of don't understand that it is a business Mm. Um, because they go, well, look, it's just a grant. We just got given this money. So what does it matter if this film makes money or not? Right. You know, that that's not going to translate when you take a step outside, which is obviously what, you know, many New Zealanders want to do is we want to make our 
a, a film or two over here and then we want to um, upgrade and or maybe upgrade is not the right word, but we want to work with bigger budgets. We want to work within the studio system, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to come from this environment, uh, this sort of incubated and insulated environment where it's like, oh, no, look, it's just congratulations for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really, there isn't that sort of financial pressure. And actually, you know, a lot of New Zealand films, uh, in fact, the vast majority of New Zealand films don't make their money back. Now that's not a sustainable, uh, like you know, viable right. thing. Right. Uh, if you were to say that anywhere else, um, or like you know, within a place uh, like you know America or something like that. So I do actually think that there there should be more of a middle ground mm-hmm. where we are more business minded, uh, and that's certainly been you know one of my thoughts in the last couple of years. Where you can't just look at it like it, it has to work on both levels to some degree mm-hmm. or you're going to end up digging yourself into a hole um, at some point where someone goes, well, it actually does matter now. And you haven't been thinking about that. And, yeah. you know, yeah. now you've made a film that um, ha- has not uh, been uh, successful in, in that way. So, but they do provide a, a like a, a great platform for sort of um, for filmmakers and to nurture and develop talents. And um, that is something I am very grateful for. Yeah. I mean, we'd fit right in because none of our films have made any money either. So. <laughs> well, I <laughs> think you know, one of us could, uh, could have that, um, to, could share that story. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point, you know, because there is, you know, we talk about it uh, all the time about having the the creative side and the business side, and you have to have both. Like you have to be able to, sell yourself and talk about your film as a product and think yes. about your film once it's done as a product and, you know, making your money back and, and, you know, may not, you're making a short, there's really no real avenues to kind of, no you know, get your, get your money back, but there's still, you still have to kind of go at it with that mentality, especially when it comes to advertising. You know, we are horrible at selling ourselves, you know, we just going to film fest and being like, Hey, watch my movie. It's so great. It's amazing. And inside, I'm like, don't go watch it because you're just going to see everything I hate about it. You know what I mean? So there's just, there, there's that side of it that's really tough for there's a lot of... There's that one scene with the lighting, you yeah. know, the scene. If you look really closely, <laughs> I think you could see a, a, something sticking in the frame. I don't even know what it is, you know. But I think that it's it's tough for a lot of filmmakers to, um, to, to get to kind of embrace that side of it. They just want to, like, uh, make cool stuff yeah. and then make... Because that, that's us, right? I want to make something really great and then i hate it and then i want to make another thing really great and then and then it just rinse and repeat you know yeah it's um it's a really interesting um dichotomy between those two worlds and it's something that i 100 percent agree is probably the hardest thing mm-hmm. for us as filmmakers to get our head around um i used to believe and i've only really come around to the to starting to really think about that stuff in the last couple of years um you know, partly through films not making money or films making money, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also partly because, you know, I used to believe, uh, you know, very strongly that I was like, if you just make good content, good content will be noticed and, um, and, and, and recognized and your talent will be. And now I actually think that it's a hundred percent wrong. And actually <laughs> there's, there's, there's a million great films and, you know, I sort of started to get scared. I remember like, even when I was watching like 
because I'd watch films when I was making the zombie film, and I go, man, I've never heard of this. I've never. This is a brilliant film. But I've never ever heard anything about. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've totally stumbled across this. There's no information about this film, and it's brilliant. And that scared me at the time because I was like, how can films be brilliant and not? Uh, I thought that's not how the system works. Yeah. Um, and and so sort of coming to that realization that you have to. You do have to be a champion of your own films and your own work. And you do have to figure out a way to, because again, like, you know, with that, the, the, the zombie film, like um, the sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of the, essentially we made money for other people with that film. But for me, that put me in this huge, huge hole of having, you know, invested, you know, sort of five years of my life into this thing that mm-hmm. didn't, uh, directly lead to like another directing job on a feature film or anything like that. Right. Uh, and this huge financial and, you know, I'd spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on it myself as well. And, you know, I didn't have any resources to kind of uh, develop my own stuff because the other people had taken, you know, my share of the pie right. or, 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 or our collectively the film share of the pie. And you're in this sort of terrible position that had I been a little bit more business savvy or had we collectively been, we might have avoided some of those pitfalls. And, um, and you know, those things like, you know, it's, it's not just about your film today, what, what we make today. It's about what we plan to make tomorrow and how we make it. Because, um, you know, you do need to have uh, time um, to think and create, you need to have resources, you know, um, to, to do that, to execute that. And all of those things, if you're not at all, if you're kind of just switched off from the, um, uh, from that sort of business world and sort of monetizing and all that sort of stuff, you know, you're going to be a struggling artist. You may well be a struggling artist forever. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, you know, I was a struggling artist for really, um, like the majority of my career and that I would get, you know, and I would work for other people and I'd get a little bit of money and then I'd go back to being broke and so on and so on and so on. Um, and really that's until I changed my philosophy um, about sort of what we're talking about, the business of filmmaking and how you can sort of, uh, you know, I glamorize that struggling artist thing. And I, uh, and, but at a certain point, like, you know, when you're, 36 years old and you, 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 you have, you know, like not a dollar in your account and you're sort of, and you know, you want to shoot something, but it's like, and it's not even going to cost that much. Maybe it's going to cost like 200, $250. And that $250 to you was you're thinking, well, that's three pays away, yeah. you know, yeah. so I can get to that point. Like those sorts of things is like, if you, uh, you know, readjust your thinking just a little bit, and sort of start thinking, okay, how can I personally make money from my work, uh, you know, as a writer, as a director, as whatever my skill set is, and also how can those things make money for me instead of, I guess, embracing that whole thought that we all have that, like, I'm just going to make something great and then, you know, my career is going to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm just going to make something great and then, I just take that next, I'm directing studio films or whatever and start thinking about, yeah, right. you know, much more as a, 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 a very slow progression. Mm-hmm. Um, but that each thing is you're trying to, uh, 
you know, work it as a business. Um, I think there's, I guess, a lot more value in that because, you know, for you know, the last couple of years, I haven't been such a, I, I would still definitely define myself as a struggling artist, but <laughs> I'm not struggling as hard. And right, right. it's made things uh, much easier for me in terms of my ability to create, my ability to shoot, uh, my ability to develop new projects. Um, and all of that has come about from that sort of change of mindset a little bit. I yeah. hope I'm not talking, I'm getting that a little bit too businessy. I, it sound no, like it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really yeah. important. And we talk about this, that's why we did the podcast, why we had started it initially is just like, you know, for all the money that we're making, <laughs> that's why really. <laughs> we don't make anybody, you know, I mean, we, we got on a network recently and that was like super cool, but we don't have, you know, sponsors. We don't do this because it pays any of our bills. All the equipment we yeah. had to buy for it came out of, you know, vacations yeah. people go on and we, we don't do stuff like that, you know? So, um, I always say to people that are that are starting in the business that it's it's always a perception of what you think success is, you know. Mm. And um, as an actor myself, I it always kind of miffs me when people say, "Oh, I'm going to see you on the red carpet one day," and I'm like, "No, you're not," you know. And and that's and that's okay. I mean, there's always the one in a million chance, right? There's one in a million chance yeah. that somebody will watch something that I'm in and be like, "She's great. Let's throw her in a you know a list movie." for $50 million, but chances are that's not going to happen, but that's not why I'm acting. You know, that's always great. Yeah. I, I would love, and, and I'm, I'm a huge, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm always in favor of paying people because up here that's we're we're further up North in New York and there's a desperation here okay. where people, what? We're not that far up North in New York. Oh my God, he has this obsession with like where, how these far city people. They're like, if you're north of one twenty fifth Street, it's like upstate New York. I'm from the city. Anything past the Bronx is upstate. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you know, there's a desperation here with people where they just want to be because they they film a lot up here. They've learned the the city productions have learned to come up north because there's cheaper labor, there's a lot more land, and uh, people will do anything because they just want to be in a movie. And so that's kind of what it wound up. Being this is the worst place to be an actor up here because as soon as, you know, anybody comes up here to make something and they make a lot of really like high budget productions here, uh, people are just willing to work for free. They don't even care because they just want to be an extra. They want a chance to get a selfie with X, Y and Z. And I'm over here like I got bills to pay. Like, I, you know, I've been acting yeah. for for what, 13 years now. I've spent money on courses over the years and. I would like to be able to make some money, you know, and so there's that that sort of danger, uh, that sort of danger zone with people where they become starstruck. And I always ask somebody, do you want to make films or do you want to be famous? Because there's a big difference. And if you never make it to Hollywood, are you still successful because you've made films? I've written a ton of scripts. I've you know, we've made films together. I've seen the improvement in my performances from 13 years ago to last year, you know, and to me, that's, that's the success where I'm like, wow, I suck a lot less than when I started. Mm-hmm. I must've uh, been paying attention and learning something new with every character you play and what to do and what not to do. Like that to me is that improvement is still successful. And so I find that a lot of people that are content in indie film usually have another job and it's often usually like graphics or media or something they kind of stay in yeah. the wheelhouse and i think that's important to just be able to say okay i'm not i'm not up on scorsese's level and you know i'm not uh, uh i'm not patty jenkins over here but 
I'm, I get to stay in the field and I still get to create. And that's, I, that's so important. I, um, you know, who doesn't like, who doesn't want to be rich and famous? Yeah. But, well, maybe me, I'm antisocial, so I wouldn't want to be too famous. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, I wouldn't want people following me around and stuff, but yeah, you know, yeah, like a lot of work. everybody wants that success, of course. But, uh, it's like, it's such a fine line in, of believing in yourself, right. And not being so pessimistic that you're like, that could never happen because so many famous people, right. They, they, they had the mindset of like, I'm going to do this and they did it. But there is also just life and how things fall into place. And sometimes you're an mm. amazing director, an amazing writer, amazing actor, and nobody ever knows who you are except yeah. for small circles. And um, that's just it. You know, it's just that that may be as big as you get. And uh, are you OK with that? That's what I always kind of ask people that get into this in the beginning. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you do. And I, I think you really have to take pleasure in the process and you have to learn to take pleasure in that you know in the creative process in the in the art of making as a and you know obviously it's cheesy but it's you know it's the journey not the destination right. all mm-hmm. that sort of thing um but you know you really do um have to and if I think about my films you know I have to think it I try and think about them in a different context like obviously you know I hope that you know, they would launch me into the stratosphere. Like you always hope that one in a million shot, that sort yeah. of lottery ticket mentality. Uh, but also, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that, for example, on, on my first film, I kind of got to work with all the people that I sort of grew up with. Uh, you know, they were all sort of uh, doing different um, roles, whether that's crew or cast. And I got to give them a bigger platform and a bigger stage to play on Mm -hmm. um, and to show how talented they were. And that's something that, you know, like, you know, that's one of the most things I'm I'm most proud about of that film is being able to give that opportunity to all these awesome, talented people. And also to have what we all sort of did when we were 16 together, be something that we all did together on this much, you know, Mm -hmm. bigger stage, you know, uh, was super cool. And, and, you know, again, with older, my second feature, uh, I, I had that, uh, I, I, again, it was about just enjoying the process. So like seven years is actually really too long, (laughs) (laughs) um, way too long to, you were uh, really enjoying that process. (laughs) Uh, It was really, yeah. Um, but you know, it was the the friendships that I made, mm-hmm. and it was the uh, enjoying that that working with like you know uh, Alicia Ward Knox, who plays Jenny, who plays uh, stars opposite uh, me in the film. Um, she was she's just you know she's one of my best friends now, and I would have never had that relationship had we not done the film together. Yeah, and um, it, you know it's those types of things that you have to take away. Uh, as well, uh, apart from that sort of that end game that, you know, we're all sort of, uh, you know, hoping for to some degree. Um, but I do think, yeah, that, that taking pleasure in that, 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 you know, all those creative things is, is really um, key. Um, and not, again, looking at the end and comparing yourself to whoever it was that, you know, maybe inspired you. You can't be like, well, did this, you know, did this do what? Right you know, it did for them, you have to be like, did I, am I proud of this film? You know, was it, was it great, good to make? Did I learn? Did I get better? All those sorts of things. And, mm-hmm. um, but these are all tricky things to kind of navigate, um, you know, uh, 
in the sort of indie world, I think. Yeah. yeah. What was the um the production like the setup for this for this film? I mean, I know it, you know, I was watching it and I'm like I don't know, this he looks kind of young in that that little yes. like thing there and whatever. So, you <laughs> know, makeup uh, department was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they get that de-aging stuff that going on or whatever, but um, you know, so what was that? I mean, it seems to me like you you made started like you had said you made this started making this film and then stuff happened and then you went back and kind of finished making it so what was that yeah, so, what was that process like well so the nuts and bolts of it were um like essentially i sort of wrote the script as we were sort of finishing the other one and i had this sort of window of time that i was thinking uh would be a good time to to shoot it so what we did is we did it you know the way a lot of but this was in 2013 so it wasn't quite as commonplace it is now but we crowdfunded so we we crowdfunded um, and we raised about um, five thousand US dollars uh, through our crowdfunding campaign, and we actually were asking for like twenty thousand or something like that. But mm-hmm. we, in our heads, we were like, "We're going to make this no matter what." Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we obviously, the more money that we can put towards this, that's going to make it easier for us. So Every yeah. bit helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, just, so just, we a, raised, just a quick yeah. note on that, because we did a similar thing, and it's the all or nothing kind of. Um, mentality that kickstarter has i think is good to some degree but to your point i think like we did the same thing like we're going to make this film it's just yeah. a matter of how many bells and whistles are we going to have along the way you know yeah. and I, I wish there was uh, a platform that kind of i mean i know indiegogo is kind of it and you know you have a which, bunch, you which have, is the one we use yeah indiegogo. but i just wish that yeah. people like you know understood that more because then you could just say i'm making a movie and if you want to support me, great. If not, you know, there's there's always this goal, right? The yeah. goal is to make the film, and that's what we're going to do. So I don't know. I just you I just want to. I just a had a random quick, tangent. A quick thought about it, and I wanted to 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 take a quick time, second to tangent about that. But well, we we I remember looking at the end. So you had I think had it's, a, I think quite it's a important for people to understand to that if they're like, I need twenty thousand dollars to make my film, or else I can't make it. And it's like, well, you can. You can make a film for twenty dollars if you really want to. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think just how the, many drones do you have yeah, to have yeah, yeah. is the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. And that's, uh, no, that's all right. And th- I think that's also actually a very interesting point though, is there's this try the film triangle. Yeah. Right. Which is, um, you know, uh, you know, fast, good and cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, 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 you can pick two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, you can have it fast and good, but it's probably not going to be cheap. Uh, you can have it cheap and good, but it's probably not going to be fast. Um, and so I do think that's really quite true, obviously, um, (laughs) I would say that, um, but so, you know, but you do find yourself like, it's like, you can, um, do what a big feature film would do. You can create that same scene, but it's probably going to take you a lot longer to do, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to be the one that has to build that set. You know, you're going to be the one that has to create that, um, uh, those visual effects, over months as opposed to getting 10 people to work on it and they knock it out in a week. You know, all of those things are possible and attainable for independent filmmakers, especially now with the way technology is going and mm-hmm. what just desktop computers can do. Um, but they're always going to take one person, that team of one, you know, much, much longer than that team of, you know, 30, 50, 100, 200, 1,000 people on a, on a big crew. Um, and so that's something that, you will have to make peace with 
um, in your sort of indie journey, I guess, I think. But um, but anyway, so we we raised this money and we had also uh, raised some money through our YouTube channel. So our YouTube channel had made about another $2,000 um, just from ad revenue, um, you know, Google ads, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we pulled that together uh, to do our shoot. And our shoot, our first shoot was sort of three weeks, um, uh, you know, very quick turnaround sort of thing. And the idea really was we were always going to come back and do pickups like over weekends, like as we went on, it was never designed to be like, we're going to shoot the whole movie. It was more like we're going to shoot the most difficult parts of the movie and the sort of the most important parts of the movie in this three-week period. Um, my director of photography, Adam St. John, he's going to come over from Australia to shoot it in that time. We're going to use all his gear. Um, and that's going to be our sort of our main shoot. And then um, I'm going away to London and I'm going to shoot a whole bunch of things over in London as well to up the production value. Mm. Again, this is just, you know, I you know, that indie mentality, just write it in, make that be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I'm going to come back and we're going to pick up some things over a few weekends. Um, now, that few weekends was really what sort of kind of dragged on. And, it, and, and so part of it was if you're, you know, if you're a filmmaker and you're, you have a crew of three people and you have all the gear that you would use as in you're using cameras that you own. You're not mm-hmm. using an Ari Alexa or whatever mm-hmm. or a camera you're, you're, you're using your Canon 5D Mark three and your rocking on lenses or whatever. So yes, you can do that. It is actually much easier to set your crew up and set them off and like, you know, pay for their catering and all that sort of thing and get them going over a weekend. than it is like, we've got to bring a whole crew together and we've yeah. got to bring, our star in who's now off on another project and so on and so on. So that's where indie filmmaking, you have these like inherent little leg ups, these little advantages that you can leverage that, you know, so that means that like, if I'm not happy with a scene, it didn't cost, the scene didn't cost me a hundred thousand dollars that day. It it cost me a couple of hundred dollars. If I'm prepared to spend a couple of hundred dollars again, then I can do that scene better. Right. And, you know, those, you know, freedoms and reshoots and stuff. So some of it was, you know, reshooting little bits and pieces that I thought needed work. And we, you know, did that quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and part of it was that, you know, as I then got into editing, um, I thought we were sort of finished. And then I kind of changed my mind about certain things through the edit. And so then we would have to shoot another little bit, you know, piece or a little something or other. And then some of it was from me simply not like not really realizing because what we'd done when we shot like um, that sort of that 80% or 70% or whatever over that initial shoot was all those bits of connective tissue, you know, that you don't really think of, or I don't really think about. This is something that I've got a bad habit of. It's like, I think of the main scenes. I think of those heart to heart moments. I think of the you know, those, those real serious things. I don't think about like an exterior cutaway of someone's house. I don't think about uh, a close up of someone, you know, writing in a book. Um, you know, those are the kind of things or on a computer typing on a computer or a close up of a phone when someone reads a message, I think kind of bigger picture stuff. Uh, and I think about those, those key moments 
And actually what you find, especially for me, because I was trying to do like stuff with time lapses and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things. Like I was trying to show the passage of time and I was trying to show sort of this guy, my character, Alex, kind of stuck in this loop Mm -hmm. and to kind of create those things. It's like, well, if you're going to shoot a time lapse, you have to go somewhere and sit for two hours, you know, 5 a.m. and and do that. And you don't really think about that because it's just one shot. But it's just one shot that's the same as, you know, a mm-hmm. whole bunch of other shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still set it up, it's still going, it's still getting all the gear, all that sort of thing. So um, I think part of it was me just not really thinking about that stuff. And then once I got into the edit, I was like, okay, actually need a lot of these like little bits of connective pieces um, to put them together. And also it was sort of a commitment to trying to make the film look as nice and pretty as possible. So it's like, did I, what was that? was that exterior cutaway shot good enough, you know, uh, or was it something that we could probably do like a little bit better? Um, so it was a little bit of that. Um, and then really for me, I was living this really kind of crazy lifestyle of like, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, you, you put like, you put a hold on everything um, to shoot your film. And then I had to jump right back into the sort of the post-production and finishing of my first feature, which was actually, and then the marketing of that feature Uh and then the deliverables of that feature. And I had to do all the deliverables on, on that film as well, which was not something that I did not intend to be sort of uh, given these responsibilities. I didn't know anything about post-production when I started the zombie film I didn't know anything about I didn't know what a deliverable was I didn't have any clue and so you know it was this baptism by fire but it's like okay well you need to figure this out you need to figure out how to make a DCP uh you need to figure out how to get these shots together you need to figure out how to conform this stuff and a lot of the the um you know I put all these visual effects and you need to you need to figure out all this stuff from a base level of like a of nothing of of having zero education about that sort of thing you know purely being a sort of more of a writer's director who could edit right um and so and you know i guess too what like indie filmmakers don't realize is when you when you work with a, a bigger sales agent they will come at you with a lot of deliverable requirements and you have kind of two choices there you can either find some money to to get someone else to do those for you which I would actually recommend if you can, but like the, the, the knowledge of having, you know, five or $10,000 extra to find is not something that is necessarily viable for a lot of indie um, filmmakers. Yeah, especially usually now. that's the whole budget for the film. Yeah. Exactly. And now you're saying, well, I've just got to give it like, because you know, the truth is you can work out all that stuff. You can, Um, work out how to create all those deliverables and for the most part you know if you have a decent ish computer you can do them all but it's just it's just time and so really like what happened from the end of 2013 when we kind of shot that initial stuff to sort of mid 2015 is I was just completely preoccupied with um, the zombie film and finishing that getting it out doing all those things going to festivals all that sort of thing but um I just didn't have time to sit and edit older. So I really only got to the sort of the, the true crux and editing of older and sort of, you know, towards the end of 2015, 2016. And then if you think about like the edit of a film taking, I would say six months full time to me, that's how long 
uh, and edit of a feature film takes roughly, right? Mm -hmm. It could be a bit longer. It could be a bit shorter, depending on how good you are at editing and how quick you are. Um, but if you go, well, if I'm not working on this full time, if I'm working on this on my weekends and my days off, um, you know, six months can become, you know, a yeah. couple of years very, very easily. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if I sort of had one do over with the film, I would try not to edit it, um, probably myself. Um, but you fall into all these different traps when you're, uh, because Again, you know, us as indie filmmakers, right? We, uh, it's that thing where it's like, well, can you, like, uh, who can do this? I can do this. Will anyone do it better than me uh, without having like money to throw at them? Mm, probably not because you care the most. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Right. So then that's my responsibility now. That's my job. And you can kind of play that game a lot. And sometimes you can probably play it too much. So, guilty um, all of, <laughs> yeah um all of those things kind of come came together to to kind of really push the film out until it was getting to sort of 2017 ish 20 uh 2017 2018 and then the film was getting kind of close to being finished we and we did film like one sort of i think in 2017 like one major kind of um uh, structural change to the story um, so that was kind of crazy coming back at all that time later, because obviously also pick up some reshoots are very easy, you know, I guess within six months of that original shoot, mm -hmm. and then people, uh, start to cut their hair mm -hmm. and yeah. change their look, um, and, or move to a different city. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, you know, life changes, life moves on. Uh, but you know, so to, to sort of hit the reset and get back to that, uh, was more difficult. Um, so, you know, all of those things kind of conspired to, to make the film. And then, you know, part of it was also, we were sort of calling in favors for the, the sound mix, um, and the color grade was dependent on pe other people's time, mm -hmm. you know, when they could fit me in, because I had a very good, um, uh, color grader, Alana Cotton. So she did the grade on the film and she is one of the best color graders here in New Zealand. And she's incredibly busy with her own work. Um, and she, uh, she, in fact, she just, I don't know if you guys have seen, but she, she just color graded most recently. The luminaries, um, was oh, the like, Disney thing? uh, the, the, it's like the new TV series. I don't know if it's done through Disney or not, but oh, I'm thinking it's of the like, illuminaries. Yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, but it's based on like kind of a famous novel from here anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to wait for her and then um, my sound designer, same sort of thing. So you chose um, good and, and cheap with them. Exactly. Out of the <laughs> exactly. Which meant we had to wait. And yeah. we were also hoping to get a couple of grants to kind of speed up that process that we yeah. didn't get, mm -hmm. uh, which means we just had to wait longer and it does become a, and I'm sure you guys can relate, but it, at some point, whatever feature, if you're making a feature film, if you're making something that if you're making a long form project, it does at some point become a bit of a war of attrition and mm -hmm. you just, you just have to keep battling away yeah. um, step by step, one foot in front of the other. And I, I was very glad that I'd been through that experience on the zombie film, which was only five years, but that experience taught me like, okay, this is going to take, sometimes these things take longer right. than you expect. The amount of things that you have to kind of finish are overwhelming. And the only way to deal with it is to kind of put one foot in front of the other and go, what's my little problem that I'm going to figure out today. Right. I'll figure out all these little problems 
over this next few month period, I will have actually solved one of these huge problems. Yeah. If you look at that whole kind of post-production finishing process uh, or even any process within, within can, it can be overwhelming. Sometimes you don't really want to look at it, that whole thing. You just want to attack those little bits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you yeah. really do have to com- compartmentalize it because, you know, for us, I do pretty much all the post and, and um, you know, I can't think about the editing. I'm sorry. The... I'm... What? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My heart goes out to you. Yeah. Uh, but you can't think yeah. about, I got to edit and color grade it. And if there's any visual effects I have to do in terms of light he removal does, or boom removal. Or... Yeah, it can get overwhelming. But if you're like, you know what, first, I'm just going to worry about editing this scene. That's all yeah. I'm going to do. You know, so that, I think that's, that's our hugely la- important. Our last film, though, you went on like this color grading yeah, I was obsessed with finding um, <laughs> uh, someone else to grade the film because it was the same thing with you. It's like, yeah, for the price that I'm paying me, which is nothing, I, I probably couldn't find a better color grader than myself. Mm. But I, you know, I really wanted to because I, I had I was happy for the first time in a while. I was really happy with some of the shots, and I was like, I really want this to kind of look as best as it can. And am I the person for the job? And um, you know, it's it's financially yes, you financially are. yes, because it gets to a certain level where you just you you can't do it all on your own because you're bringing down the quality because there are certain aspects that I excel at and there's certain aspects that I, I I don't excel at you know, so it's it's like yeah okay so let's just say I'm a decent colorist but maybe I'm not the greatest editor well you know do we get to a do my cinematography and direction get to a level that my editing will now pull that back a bit. Because you know, like that's Absolutely. so. There's a there's a bit of a, a a game when you get to a certain level there. Luckily, I've 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 you know we've I've been able to increase all of my skill set somewhat evenly. <laughs> this, this really, I mean, <laughs> to a degree look, in which it, that it doesn't ruin the film, right? Because like, that's that's kind of the yeah. thing. I'll never know what any of my films look like with someone else editing it, you know, or grading mm. it or whatever. So I don't, I can't ever say. Yeah, I, I'm lucky in that way that I can never say, oh my god, I'm. I really wish I had that person, you know, who knows what difference it would have made, you know, it, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, but every, every shoot, it's something, it's learning something that is crucial in the very beginning. Um, we didn't really put that much effort into audio, you know, it was like, here, yeah. hold this boom mic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then we started to really just kind of, I don't know wh- where we crossed over where we were like, Oh, we got to do better with that. Like, that's just, the gaffer is probably the first official, like yeah, maybe like the like the yeah the first time we had an actual sound person, only because the person that would normally run our sound was playing the part of like other things yeah. of gaffer. We always had that people stuff. that helped us that like knew what they were doing in terms of like they knew you know it wasn't just some stranger that we found off the street and was like here hold this point this at the person's <laughs> mouth while they talk. They got the, you know, they're in video production in some degree, so they kind of get it. But to get a specified person, yeah. The first you know, time we had, like, a sound person and they handed, like, the audio files over, we were like, And everything's labeled oh and it sounds like, so perfectly crisp and clear. This and, is amazing. Yeah. Like, and so now that's, you know, that from that point on, it became, we can't, we can never go back. Like, we can never go back to just... You know, you know, having somebody hey, kind Bobby, of hold know. this. Yeah, it, it, it's like, well, now that that now has to be put in the budget that we have to budget in somebody who does really and not just someone that does sound, but does good sound. And then in uh, in this last film, we we lucked out with having somebody do the score. And then we were like, 
oh crap, like that's yeah. that's so much better than what we would have picked off picked stock off, music yeah, sites or something. Yeah, picked off stock music sites, <laughs> and so it's like these little things that you now have to kind of like make a priority, and uh, so yeah, sound and music yeah. has <laughs> like oh. become ours. I think that's really interesting, actually, because I, yeah, if, if I was going to give one sort of takeaway tip for you know aspiring indie filmmakers out there, it would d- definitely be, and I'm sure you guys have said this many times, but it's get your sound right because yeah, uh, that's that's actually the thing that kind of we even as people that are watching movies, maybe we take for granted, but it's actually the the thing that we discern as you know what defines quality. Mm-hmm. If you can't if you can't hear something very well, you immediately tune out of it. And I, th- I, I don't know if you guys have seen Tenet yet. Not um, yet. Not yet. But uh, there's some significant sound issues in that. Oh, really? And they should, and they should know better. Um, it's artistic choices. It's artistic choices. Uh, well, yeah, that's what he, that's what, what Mr. Nolan has claimed is it's all, it was all part of his master plan, but. Ah, uh, um, sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. And, and look, and that's the thing is, but like one, if you really put the focus on your sound and you really have good sound, then, you know, people are always going to be able to forgive like a, a slightly worse image, things being, you know, even a, a touch out of focus, mm-hmm. you know, bad lighting, whatever, yeah. you know, it always comes back to good sound. And of course, a good story and, and great performances right, right. too. But, but um, you know, if you're thinking technically speaking, if there's one thing you really want to get right, if you don't get everything right, you definitely want to get your sound right. And I think, you, you know, you guys are so right in the sense that, and that's uh, a, a problem is like, obviously as you kind of make more things and you, you you get people to do these different roles, you get someone to grade your film or do the sound mix like I have, it's very hard to go back to the concept of that I would do that um, because, uh, you know, you just, you you know, it's levels, you know, it's levels different, you mm-hmm. know, it's, yeah. it's something that, you know, they specialize in, as long as I've specialized in being a director. So, you know, you can't take that, you know, 20 years and all that gear and then expect that you're going to be able to match that. Um, right. But it's also then very hard to go back down um, when, you know, <laughs> when people are sort of, uh, you know, when maybe you do another lower budget thing and you don't have that uh, money set aside, it's like, oh man, what? So we're going to have bad sound now? Or we're going to have proper sound mix? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. um, uh, you know, you get used to whatever it is, you know, that standard that you've set for yourself. Yeah. You certainly don't want to lower it. Um, but, you know, it can be tricky at times. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think it's important to, to, to go through that, you know, because we, we always talk about how important it is to, to be in those roles and you know we've made films that it's just us two and we do everything you know and so yeah um but i think that 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 learning experience is so important because now when i hire a sound guy i know exactly what i need to tell him to get him to get what i need you know and same yeah. with or like her. or her sorry yeah, i know i do it all the time <laughs> to get that person to to kind of you know the if they're i have a colorist for the film or whatever i can kind of speak their language a little bit more to kind of get my message yes. across. And that's, you know, it goes the same on set too. If you have a cinematographer or, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you can talk, you know, can communicate much your, your vision that much simpler because you've been in that role. So you know what it takes to get what you need. You just, you know. Yeah, that's that. absolutely great advice. And I think too, you know, that's the thing is like, if you can do, you know, it's the same thing. They always suggest that directors do a bit of acting so they understand 
that you can come, you can speak with actors from that perspective. Um, and I think, you know, you know, like if the, if my first feature film um, taught me anything, it, it was, yeah, like, I guess that, like, even though I thought that I sort of had already done that with all our sort of like sort of small projects prior to that film, um, it did give me a, like a base understanding of all those different departments. Not that I was doing all those different departments, but how they worked, how they functioned, mm -hmm. you know, what they were doing, what their roles were and how that would impact me and the film. And, and also, you know, from a post side of things, you know, again, understanding all those things. I, I do think that if you, if you want to be a good director, you, you do need to do some editing. You can't, not you yeah yes you can have an editor but you need to spend time editing some of your own work just so you understand how coverage works mm -hmm. why uh you know why you do or don't need certain things that you can then throw away while you're actually on set yeah um and also understand sort of the rhythms and all those sorts of things i think that is really crucial and i think that you know what i see a lot of people kind of get hung up on over here is they go, ah, well, I've shot this short film, you know, we got it, but we've run out of money and we've got no one to edit it. And it's like, well, you do have someone to edit it. It's you. And it is a short film. It is doable. It is achievable mm -hmm. that you can teach yourself how to edit and do that. Yeah. We're, we're not living in the, you know, the world of like Steenbecks and, yeah. you know, running reels through the thing and all that sort of thing. Like, um, you know, you've just got to double click on um, Premiere or DaVinci Resolve or whatever it is, you know, whatever your, uh, system is is most likely probably going to be free or very cheap yeah. and your your laptop can most likely edit that thing um you need and so you know we we should be embracing that a little bit i think as as sort of directors is that and also i guess within that indie world is like the whole thing is like look you want to make these movies um then you're going to have to take on more roles than you would if you had a lot of money you yeah know? it's yeah. as simple as that um so yeah i think that yeah, big director editor is is something that like I want to retire from editing now. Like, <laughs> editing, or 20, 20 years of editing is enough editing for me. But yeah. um, uh, I do think it's a very important skill set for for a director to have. What so what was the that led you to decide to take the the role, the lead role of it for um, older? So other I than having I, life experience to draw from in that yeah. situation. Um, I, <laughs> I think, look, to, to some degrees it was practical and others it wasn't. So, um, you know, I had done, like, acting prior to that. This wasn't like I just, oh, I'm going to be an actor today. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, That's how I started uh, out, know. as wanting to be an actor, and then moved <laughs> um, into directing. Yeah, like, so I'd, I'd done, like, lots of acting prior to this, you know, on our smaller projects, and... Um, it's something I do enjoy acting, but I only enjoy acting and <laughs> generally speaking in, in stuff that I write. Um, mm. I, I enjoy it a lot more. I've acted in other people's stuff as well. And I find that a lot more um, frustrating, I suppose. Um, but I was used to like, I'm so I was very comfortable with the idea of kind of um kind of switching between those two roles in my brain in the sense that I could go, cool, I'm acting now. I'm in the scene. I'm in the moment. We call cut. I'm now my director's hat's on and I'm thinking, what's the next shot? What's the next setup? Did we get that? Should we have a look at it? How were the performances, et cetera? Um, 
so that's something that I'd done a lot. So I could fall into that quite easily. Um, but for me, the role was, it was, I don't want to say that I'm Alex cause that's not true at all. Um, but, uh, the character was close to me. It was a couple of degrees away from me. Sure. And I thought I saw the way to play it um, from my perspective that would serve the story well and that, you know, I could do it competently, um, you know, that wouldn't detract uh, from the overall film. Mm -hmm. And then again, with the indie filmmaker hat on, it's like I'm always going to be the first person on set uh, last to leave. Um, I'm always going to be up for reshoots and pickups if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to, yeah, like complain about having to change my look to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, 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 to do a scene, um, that sort of thing. So I thought, you know, from writing the character, I understood that character. And although he was not me, um, I saw how he could be, uh, you know, it's like a couple of, you know, parallel universe guy as, yeah, as yeah. sort of Alex. A couple, so, a couple of wrong decisions, and then there you are. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and so I, I was like, so I'm very close to it, so I can do that, and I think I can do it well, and I think I can, I can tell the story effectively. To be honest, like that's something you know, like I'm, I, and I do enjoy that. I I enjoy that. I do, I enjoy acting, like, and I really enjoyed acting it for the most part. Like, <laughs> I guess not always, but um, a lot of the time, I enjoyed. Um, you know, this role and, and doing this thing. But it, again, it's not something that I am wedded to, like the idea that I have to act in my films mm-hmm. or that I have to, uh, there has to be a role for me or something like that. I do love just sitting behind the camera as well and watching other people, um, you know, come up with something magical. Um, acting is quite technical for me um, and it does take longer for me to um, sometimes get into the, uh, like the emotional uh, like the, make the emotional connections, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, because I'm actually quite a like reserved person in real life, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> who does not, uh, you know, especially as a director who does not try and reveal too much because I don't want people to know if I thought that take was bad. Yeah, um, right, right. And and I don't also sometimes want to seem too, I guess, overly enthusiastic about um, stuff. Even when it's going well, I like to keep a very neutral mm-hmm. um, sort of, uh, because I don't want to, I guess I don't want to skew the cues perception of how a day's going by right. the way right. that I'm um, sort of by reading me. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, uh, so sometimes it, you know, my frustration was um, trying to lock into uh, like it would just take me longer sometimes to to lock into those moments and more take sort of thing um, than you know if I was obviously just uh, directing and I could let someone else do that. But then again, like at some actors, where I, I'm someone that you know is going to be better on the third take than the first take. Some actors are just straight away first take, mm-hmm. and then you'll never really get better better than that. And it's really just figuring out what how people work, how actors work and how, um, and, and, and sort of, you know, like what's their process. But, um, for me it was, yeah, somewhat practical. It was one of those things. It was a challenge. It was something where it's like, cool, I'm going to be, uh, like, you know, I've done lots of acting, but I've never done acting where I've tried to be, you know, very raw and emotional, vulnerable Mm -hmm. on screen. 
I've never <laughs> done, you know, all these sex scenes and stuff like yeah. that. It's, that's, you know, like all, all of those things. Were Which very are very technical, by the way. You know, a lot of people um, see, uh, you know. A hundred percent. You yeah. know. Uh, a, nothing sexual about a yeah, sex scene yeah. on yeah. film. Nothing <laughs> yeah. People see that and, and they and think I, like, oh, man, that would be fun to do. And it's like, not really, because you got a bunch of people watching you. You got to do something in a specific <laughs> yeah. way. It's. They're, they're yeah, it's not like um, fun. 10 seconds, uh, 10 seconds. Okay, we need this. And you're going to put your hand here and then we're going to cut. And it's, there's absolutely, yeah, there's, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing sexy about it. And yeah. I do. Um, and sometimes that criticism frustrates me. I'll be like, oh, you must have loved doing those scenes, making out with those, um, you know, those two women. And it's like, to be honest, that was part of a very technical job that yeah. we were doing that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was, you know, no romance involved, you know, um, but that's something that you don't really understand if you're, if you're not making movies and you yeah. haven't done those types of scenes before. But I think, again, it was all about, um, you know, as that is the whole, to some degree, the whole exercise of the film is what is artistically challenging to me? What is pushing me out of my comfort zone and sort of being, putting myself in that position was, was one of those things. And all of those things are incredibly scary, you know, um, but they are very uh, invigorating too, as a, as a creative, as a filmmaker, um, you know, to, to, when you take that step outside, you're, you're terrified, but you're also, you know, you're galvanized by the, the idea of like, cool. Um, you know, you just can't think about too much about the pressure of, of getting it wrong, but mm-hmm. um uh, so, so that, that was sort of the, the sort of decision. And, you know, again, I did know that the film was going to be sort of a long investment of time. And I thought the worst thing that could possibly happen is that I would get someone in that role that would then lose interest, hmm. you know, you know, six months later, a year yeah. later, or whenever I sort of needed them again. Um, so these are all sort of considerations. It also made it very easy just from a practical perspective. It's like, okay, you know, it could sometimes just be me and a camera, um, you know, to, to shoot certain things. I could just shoot it myself and put myself in it. And, and again, like you do as an indie filmmaker, you have to think practically, you have to think, um, what are these little advantages that I can get? What are these little shortcuts that I can take that, you know, those big films can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I guess, all of that sort of melted together to make me go, Oh, yep, that's me. Then I'll be playing Alex. Yeah. Oh, it's very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, I always like talking about the process that people go through. I mean, sometimes I wind up getting hooked up on that more than even the film because it's just, there's a, there's just sort of a common sort of balance that everybody goes through in indie filmmaking. We all know what this is like and what that's like. And, um, but there's always like little tips and things that, that you learn. And that was kind of the whole goal of the the podcast was to just be able to Mm. learn as much as you can from people. So um, are you working on anything new? Yeah. Um, at the moment I'm working on a couple of things. So I, I, um, I, I've written a new horror film, which is actually funnily enough based on zombies. Um, the, no, the, uh, <laughs> no more zombies. For the wild list. Um, but it, it's based on the short film that we shot. Um, in oh, okay. Olaf. Okay. Um, and so we expanded that out to a feature, uh, myself and my um, writing partner, Emmy uh, Patterson, uh, together we wrote the script, which is something that could be the next feature. Um, there's also a documentary that I'm just in the sort of final processes of finishing, which is sort of about, 
I guess about 40 minutes long, which is um, it's called Glimpses. And it's uh, basically about M, uh, MSA, which is um, multiple system atrophy. So uh, mm. it's this kind of, uh, I'm, I don't imagine you guys are familiar with it, but it's a neurological degenerative disease. I am disease actually, I, I like a lot of medical are. stuff, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, similar to Parkinson's, right. but much more uh, aggressive yeah. and, um, and very rare as well. And uh, my uncle uh, was diagnosed with MSA uh, in 2014 and was suffering, uh, you know, uh, from it until he passed away last year. And I went over to, obviously, this is pre-COVID, I went over to to London and filmed with him for, for three weeks. Oh, okay. um, and um, the documentary is about him. It's about him and his struggles living with this disability. Um because it also it basically takes away your ability to talk. Right. Um, you 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 can sort of mouth words and you can um, sort of get some things out, but it's very very difficult to be understood anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though um, cognitively, uh, you it's it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect your mind. You know, so yeah. you're completely switched on inside. But your body is yeah, it's similar yeah. to MS in that way when you have severe MS where you're That's cognizant, right. but you yeah. just uh, the body is starting to fail. Um, and so he actually wrote this script uh, about his sort of day to day life, what mm. he was thinking oh. about. And I um, worked with him and sort of basically based on that script, tried to shoot around that story and had interviews, obviously, with friends and family and all that sort of thing. And, um, but it's, it's basically his story. Um, and we didn't know at the time, but he passed away sort of uh, maybe a week and a half after I'd gone back um, to New Zealand. Mm. Um, so, which was actually still quite a a huge shock, even though he was very ill, uh, when I went over there, it was still like, you know, again, I get, I had these sort of naive notions that I'd be, watching it with him you know um and all that sort of thing and that's not to be but uh it's yeah so it's the story of living with a sort of disability but i think that um it's not just about him but i guess i hope how give us a little bit more empathy of of people who are struggling with these types of conditions because Mm -hmm. the level of detachment i had even when he would describe it via email was very different to when I saw mm-hmm. what he had to go through um, day to day. Um, so quite a depressing um, talk, uh, but something I hope is very important and will help people both understand the effects of the illness for those who who may be suffering or may be about to suffer yeah. um, from it. And also, but for those from the outside looking in and someone says, oh, I have Parkinson's or I have MSA, um, what that actually can mean um and and so i'm working on that and um that i'm hoping to will be finished sort of early i was going to say earlier in the new year it is the new year so uh <laughs> early this year at some point um hoping that will be finished and uh also i shot a short film um so i know that you guys have had a series of lockdowns over there mm-hmm. um we had a lockdown over here as well um and during that lockdown i shot a short a little short horror film uh called stay at home which is uh, uh just you know i only had myself uh and uh my friend who uh, was a uh cinematographer 
and my girlfriend. And um, that was our bubble. That's the lockdown that we were in. And so we we made a little short film together, um, uh, sort of uh, about, not really about, uh, oh, I guess a little bit about sort of COVID and mm. uh, and all that sort of thing. And um, and I'm just finishing up that short. I'm not sure um, whether that will be something that I'll like look at submitting to festivals or whether mm. I just put it up online sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but those are the sort of, I guess, the three sort of big projects that I'm sort of, uh, slowly, as we say, you know, take it, putting one foot in front of the yeah. other to, to, to finish up and, and and get done. So, yeah, those are my sort of uh, upcoming projects. Well, that's very cool. We'll have the links to what is out and um, mm-hmm. you know, definitely looking forward to to seeing the short and and definitely the documentary. I, I love documentaries and I watch a lot of medical documentaries. So that's kind of oh, right up my alley. We'll probably be quite interested about this. Yeah. That's what you said. I was like, yeah, I've actually heard of that because mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of, yeah, I watch a lot of that stuff. A so. lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely well, very I've, interesting. Uh, yeah. I've started watching quite a lot of them now, obviously um, out of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I have I often find myself in tears by the end. That's of the, the thing. I do have time. to detox off them. <laughs> yeah. I go through like waves yeah. of, them and then every so often one will just really punch me in the gut and i'm like i need a couple months just because um we watched one uh that that's a a similar um i I think it was he had a form of multiple sclerosis Uh, it was very similar where the the mind was was there and uh yeah like like a legitimate crying headache the following day because the film was over for an hour and i was still just sobbing and yes. I was like, I get, I need a break. I can't like do this for a couple of weeks because uh, they they kind of wreck me. But it's it's just I always, you know, I'm fascinated by learning about things that other people go through. Um, yeah. So yeah, documentaries, they're tricky. I always say to me, documentaries are like working out. It's like you never want to do it, but then you always feel better after you do it. <laughs> That's how I view yeah. documentaries. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's, yeah, I like them going in. I'm yeah. a nerd. I don't know. I don't say I'm a documentary yeah. nerd. Uh, well, um, thank you so much for, for being on and uh, we'll have all the links to your work. Mm-hmm. And uh, cool. so um, watch the stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And yeah, if I can just throw out like a quick couple of plugs. Sure. Here. Please do. Please do. Um, if you want to watch my film, uh, obviously the links will hopefully be in the description there. Um, but you can also go to uh it's available on amazon prime tubi tv and google play if you just type in older or older movie or older film uh, i think we're the only one that will show up um and uh you can also listen we also have a podcast i do with my producing partner harley neville um which is the guy and harley podcast and you can find that on youtube it's also on spotify and itunes that sort of thing Wait, you didn't um, say you were, sort of, you were repping another podcast. Let's cut that. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, um, no, yeah, please, you, the more the uh, merrier. You know, like that's the thing with uh, um, with a lot of like what we do. You know, people always feel like they're in competition, you know, with, yeah. with one another. And I just, I don't know. I may, I'm just too optimistic for that. I'm like, there's room for everybody. You know oh, I, mean? I don't listen Especially, to one podcast. You know what I mean? I listen no. to a bunch of them, so. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. I get hooked on like, you know, indie filmmaking podcasts are like my favorite sort of subgenre podcast. I'm always yeah. listening to all the new ones that um come out, which is you know how I found you guys. Um but uh yeah, and so I would just say check us out there. Um and you know, older is a romantic drama. So if you like uh that type of thing, and I think, you know, if you enjoy I guess love stories are a little bit more real, a little bit more raw and honest. That's what I would pitch to you. It's not really a romantic comedy 
although it certainly has some of those elements within it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a but, good line um, that I liked in there when she said, you remember a job, right? That subtle yeah. comedy in there. Because she said um, it so matter-of-factly, like she wasn't even yes. trying to be funny when yeah. she said it. Yeah, it was a good delivery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, please go and check that out. We've been working on that for, for seven years. So, you know, um, for as fellow indie filmmakers or fellow film fans, um, I'd love for you guys to see it. And if you're a Prime member, I think it's free. And if you have Tubi, it's also free. So um, just check it out. And if you enjoy it, you know, the best way to help these days is um, just leave a rating and review yeah. um, mm-hmm. on IMDb or, or on Amazon or wherever you watch it because uh, that pushes us up the algorithms and more people see it and, and it kind of has people have more awareness. And that's how hopefully we can uh, generate a little bit of revenue to... Uh, think about some of these next ones very so, good um, yeah people awesome. don't respect the uh the the fact of ratings you know and how helpful rate they are review come on yeah. guys review. <laughs> it's the same review. for podcasts right it's the same with everything you've got to yep. rate and review just takes mate. a minute just um, takes a minute yeah <laughs> sign up with a bunch of different emails and review again <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for being on we'll definitely be in touch with you thanks thanks for having me thanks guys all right bye. all right that was guy pigden from new zealand it was yeah um, that was good talk. Good chat. I All like getting the, pers- the pond there. Yeah, getting perspective, international perspectives on filmmaking and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, shout outs. Uh, we'll go to Mograph. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Mograph.com. Score. All right, you Steady can do the rest. In, you know. Not up for debate. If you're a filmmaker, film person, gaffer, in electrics, yeah, makeup artist. Craft services, whatever you do on set. It's all important. Yeah. Send us, drop us a line, say hello. Maybe we'll chat with you. Who knows? I mean, the world is your oyster. What the hell? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll see you next week. I think we will. Yeah, we will. Bye. Bye.